0: Hi class, this is your instructor, Skylar Huff. I'm back again, and this is Chapter 2. So here in Chapter 2, this is going to be the basics of chemistry. So I'll start things off with defining elements. So if you have a periodic table nearby, it would be a great time to take one out. So an element is a substance that cannot be broken down into simpler substances by ordinary chemical reactions. For instance, I would say H is that symbol for the element called Hydrogen. And if you're looking at your atomic, well, excuse me, if you're looking at your periodic table, you can see that the atomic number for hydrogen is there at the top right or even in the center. And then just beneath it would be the symbol H for hydrogen. It may very well have the chemical name there, which is hydrogen. And then at the very bottom is the atomic mass. So the atomic mass with three significant figures should be 1.01. So again, each element has a chemical symbol, usually the first letter, or first and second letter. Now, an atom, that is the smallest portion of an element that can retain its chemical properties. So, now I'll get to those subatomic particles, the components of atoms. So they are as follows, protons, which are positive, neutrons, they are neutral, and of course electrons, which have a negative charge. With that being the case, the number of protons will always be the atomic number. For instance, if I was using krypton, it would be 36. The symbol there is kr. So, if neutrons, of course, they are neutral. And of course, is the atomic mass minus the atomic number to determine the number of neutrons. Thereafter, electrons. Electrons is, or electrons are, simply the atomic number. So now you have those subatomic particles, and how to figure out what those are in a given problem. Now on to isotopes. So isotopes of the same element have the same number of protons and electrons. However, the number of neutrons varies. So, on now to different types of things, and I call these things compounds. So a compound is made up of atoms of two or more different elements, and they're combined in a fixed ratio. When I think of a compound, I think of carbon dioxide, CO2. I also think of CH4. When I think of CH4, I think of methane. And if I need to take it a step further, it could even be NH3, ammonia. So, now I move on to molecule. A molecule consists of atoms of the same element joined together. Here I think of oxygen gas, or maybe O3, which is ozone or H2, hydrogen gas. So now on to the chemical formula. (coughs) A chemical formula is just a shorthand expression that describes the chemical composition of substances, such as I just listed before you, and even C6H12O6, which is the basis for many organic molecules, or organic compounds. Now on to chemical bonding. Chemical bonds that are important in biology are as follows. The covalent bond, the ionic bond, and hydrogen bond. The covalent bond consists of electron sharing, so it's the sharing of electrons between atoms, and the reason this occurs is to fill the valence shell. When I think of valence shell sharing, I do think of water, H2O. So, of course, it's done so to fill that valence shell within oxygen. So you have those two hydrogens bound, or at least bonded to, the oxygen, filling that valence shell in oxygen, that most electronegative thing that's there. Ionic bonds. An ionic bond occurs between the positive charge of a cation and the negative charge of an anion. So as it occurs, the basic example we use in ionic bonding would be between sodium and chloride ions. So of course, once sodium is bonded to chloride, we get sodium chloride. At the very same time, these bonds, the ionic bonds, are very strong as they are dry. However, when they are wet, they are weak. So that happens as soon as you put salt into water. Finally, the hydrogen bond. Hydrogen bonding occurs. It forms between an atom with a partial positive charge because the electrons spend more time closer to the the more electronegative atom. Yet again, I think about water with H2O. So you have water that is there but when those water molecules are together, the water molecules stick to each other. So, of course, water is a polar covalent, but those two hydrogens, they bond together among water molecules. Nextly, I get on to reduction and oxidation reactions. They call these redox reactions, and a redox reaction occurs when electrons are transferred And this is with energy transfer. So, next it will be to oxidation and reduction, which always occur together. I repeat, oxidation and reduction always work together. So, I'll get to what oxidation is. And it is simply the loss of an electron, or one or more electrons. Oxidation is, and then reduction. Reduction happens when there are gains of an electron, and it could be more than one electron. So, they always occur together, reduction. As well as oxidation. Now, on to water and the properties of water. So, the properties are as follows cohesion, adhesion, surface tension, the evaporative cooling, and the high specific heat. So, cohesion occurs when water molecules stick to themselves. Hence, the water flea can stand or walk on water. Adhesion occurs as well. Adhesion occurs when water molecules stick to other surfaces. For instance, when you have water that is on a can, or even a glass on a warm summer day, those water molecules may sit on the table, or they may sit on a coaster, and it's all because of them sticking to that surface other than themselves, which would be cohesion. Now onto surface tension. Surface tension is in existence because of what I mentioned before, but it's all because of the cohesive properties of water sticking to itself. Now on to the evaporative cooling effect. Because of the faster-moving molecules, they escape as vapor. That means when you sweat, that's why you're cooled. It's that evaporative cooling effect that occurs. Now on to the high-specific heat of water. So it refers to that amount of energy required to raise the temperature of water. So this is why it takes oh so much heat to boil a pot of water on the stove and why it can resist changes in temperature very, very well. And finally, I get on to acids and bases. So to get there, I refer to pH. So pH refers to the hydrogen power. So the pH scale consists of going from 0 to 14, with 7 being neutral. So an acid is anything that is less than 7, and a base would be anything greater than 7. So acidic things have a lot more hydrogen ions than hydroxide ions. So the hydrogen power is higher, however the pH is low, the inverse that is. And the same thing goes for things that are basic or alkaline. So they have a much greater concentration of hydroxide ions than hydrogen ions. So the hydrogen ion concentration is much lower for bases than in our acids. And then for things who are neutral or that are neutral, they have the exact same concentration of hydrogen ions and hydroxide ions. Examples of acids would be things such as vinegar, coffee, battery acid, or even stomach acid, and examples of bases. Yes, blood is slightly alkaline, just as ammonia. Oven cleaner, too. And even bleach to add another. So you shouldn't be touching any acids or strong bases with the naked hand, ungloved. And then finally, buffers. So buffers resist changes in pH. Such as the bicarbonate buffer system in the blood, or buffers that may be added to some concentration to ensure that no change occurs. Thank you for listening, and I hope you study chapter 2 very well.